Over the last uh, couple of weeks in particular, I, um, I have been reading a lot about sheep and shepherds. And the reason I tell you that is, is because just like you, um, whether you're, you know, reading about sports teams or if you're doing stuff for work, a lot of that reading is done online. There are several websites that I that I go to for work studies. So and uh, and so I'll go to these particular websites to read these things or read original language. I tell you all this because my computer, my search, my typing into Google has been a lot of sheep and shepherd. And so the last couple of weeks has been focused on that as I've been reading through different things and materials. And so over the last few days, I've been getting this advertisement a whole lot the last couple of weeks. Lead or be led. Wanting me to buy certain apparel that says, uh, with hats that say lions, not sheep. So I think the next screen gives you a little close up of that. I've been getting this ad as I go to these different websites or whatnot or when I search, and I want you to know that I find this advertisement to be absurd. I find it to be outrageous, and I think it is so unbiblical that I've tried to figure out how to get rid I've tried to press that X every time I see it. Um, there is nothing scriptural, nothing scriptural about this advertisement, to be lions and not sheep. In fact, when we open up our Bibles, what we find out is that God is asking His people to be sheep. And that God is asking us, His children, all the way from the beginning of time to this day, to be people who follow in His footsteps. He is asking us to be led by Him, to follow Him. And in fact, this whole idea that lions, not sheep, I, I, just, I, find this, I find many things of the last year to be insane on many levels, but this idea that, that it is offensive or wrong to be a sheep is outrageous on every level when you open up your Scriptures. Because God calls us to sheep. He sees you as a sheep. God has brought the shepherd into our lives, the good shepherd, Jesus Christ. And the fact, the idea of a lion in Scripture is not good. God always uses the lion in a negative connotation. And here's a couple. I I was very tempted to spend the next 20, 25 minutes going through all the bad lion references in Scripture, I will not do that. I will give you a couple. The Apostle Peter, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, as he writes to the churches who are being persecuted, you know what he tells them? Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, howls around like a roaring what? Lion. And that lion's looking for someone to devour. The evil one is compared to a lion. Timothy, in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 17. The Lord stood outside and gave me strength, Paul says, and through me the message might be fully proclaimed, and all the Gentiles might hear it, 
and I was delivered from a lion's mouth. This has nothing to say about Daniel in the lion's den, probably the most famous of them, where God has to come in and shut the lion's mouth or Daniel would be devoured. This idea of being a lion over sheep is not what God calls us to be. God calls us to be his sheep of his pasture, and he will be, as John chapter 10, verse 10 puts it, words of Jesus, the good shepherd. Is that we are people who follow him. He is the leader, and he is not a lion. He is a gentle, caring shepherd. As John chapter 10 goes on to say, he will lay down his life for you. And that's what we experience in Jesus Christ. As we experience a shepherd who gave himself for us. We experience a shepherd who, who knows us intimately and follows us and is there with us. Is that we follow the shepherd, not the lion. We follow him and we are the followers, not the leaders. And I think if we can start to, be, to, to wrestle with this idea, this unbiblical idea that we have to be these mean, outright, powerful influencers and actually take a step back and be the sheep that we are called to be, then the kingdom of God and its influence and its power and its work would look radically different. Would it not? And so once again, I, I, I hearken back to Haggai. I, I looked at Haggai for a couple of weeks. Um, I've looked over at Haggai over the last few weeks. And one of the things about Haggai that, that continuously stands out to me is that there is a group of people not doing what God wants them to do. And so God calls Haggai, his prophet, to preach to the people and then the people begin to do what God wants them to do, which is rebuild the temple of God after the, after the Israelites are allowed them back to Jerusalem. And they haven't been rebuilding the temple. They've been rebuilding their homes. And God comes through Haggai and reminds them that what's important is me, your God, and we must rebuild the temple. And the people do this. But in Haggai chapter 1, verse 14, we get a sense of how this actually functions on a practical level. The Lord stirred up the spirit. We looked at that a couple of weeks ago. But he stirred up the spirit first of Zerubbabel, son of Shethiel, governor of Judah. He stirred up the spirit of Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. And then he stirred up the spirit of the whole remnant of the people. And then the people began to work on the house of the Lord Almighty. And, and if, if you were here with us last week, one of the things that fascinates me about this verse is that it started with leadership. That the, the Israelites didn't begin to rebuild the temple of God without following their leaders. And these leaders, in some form or fashion, at some degree, have a relationship with God because they're receptive to the Word of God. As, high, as Haggai works with the governor and the high priest and preaches the message of rebuilding the temple, the leaders buy into it, the leaders listen to it, and the leaders work with the rest of the people to begin the rebuilding of the temple. 
Now, this, this is a leadership structure, a biblical leadership structure. And the leaders have a spiritually minded uh, an orientation to God and to God's flock. In one sense, the leaders, Zerubbabel, Joshua, and Haggai himself, they are following the good shepherd that is God. And through God, he calls them as leaders to work with the people to rebuild the temple of God. We have a biblical leadership structure. And these leaders are critical. And I want us to stop and pay attention to this, that spiritual leaders are critical to growth and the maturity of the body of Christ. The hopeful future that God wants for His people and Haggai as an example cannot come to fruition without spiritual leaders who listen and follow and are oriented, spiritually minded to their Father, to God the Good Shepherd. And so as we talk, as, we, as I have over the last couple of weeks, about this church community and the hopeful future that we have. We own nine and a half acres, debt-free. And this young church has been positioned in a place over the last two and a half years or so to, because of that blessing of those two and a half acres, uh, those nine and a half acres, uh, it, got, it got small real fast, didn't it? It's still nine and a half last time I checked that we're in position to dream of what God is doing with this young church because of that blessing. And so we talk about, as we have the last few weeks, we're talking about the blueprints of this church. And a lot of that is financial, right? The dreams of a church home at 4900 North Broadway, rubber meets the road, will this community commit to making that reality uh, happen, to make that dream happen? But another grand aspect, and probably even more important, is the, is the blueprint of leadership of this church. And so when we talk about blueprints, they're graphic representations of what is or what could be built. And as a church, we look and hope and are hopeful to build a church home, a physical structure, because that place is going to be more than comfort. It's going to be a ministry outpost. It is going to be an opportunity for all kinds of things that are not currently happening with this church that can and could and should happen because of those opportunities that open up with a church home. But we're also talking about what it looks like for this church to grow and to grow with a biblical model of leadership. What does it look like for this church to continue to grow within itself and to grow into the dreams of a home 4900 North Broadway? What does it look like for this church to build leadership, to raise up leaders? Leaders like those in Haggai, for as an example, they're not lions, but they are the sheep who follow the good shepherd. They are oriented, spiritually minded men who lead and are connected to the Father. Now, when this church was established, um, I, 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 if, you, if you ever want to 
um, and some of you have had, we've talked about this um, in the pre-pandemic days, have well um, first cup, and we would talk about the history of this church. I'm going to do my best not to go through all of this, but one of the things you need to know about the earliest formations of the Heritage Church, even before this church had a name, is that this church um, was established, was planted by the Memorial Road Church of Christ. And our church, along with Memorial Road, took a very theological firm stance that this church would grow into its own. Right? There's all kinds of church uh, growth and planting models out there. A lot of them we hear about are like campuses, right? Different, different branches of a church. That's not what heritage was ever. The theological stance was that heritage would grow into its own. Now, this, this model, which may be a little hard to see, uh, from our planting church, Memorial Road, into the Heritage Church, and with a couple of different um, uh, um, uh, illustrations of how, of how this growth process would work. And these are called the solid line and the dotted line relationships. That between us and our planting church, Memorial Road, there would be different aspects of the Heritage Church that would be solid line relationships, other aspects that would be dotted line relationships. Meaning that some things would be directly connected to the church that has planted heritage. Other things would be dotted line. There would be a receptive relationship, but not a dependent relationship. Examples of that very early on would be youth group. When this church started, our youth ministry was a very dotted line with Memorial Road. But within, I think, six or seven months, that dotted line disappeared and that relationship was no longer needed because of our growth. Solid line relationship, uh, and, the, and the, the one that I want to pay attention to, is eldership. In fact, there are no more dotted line relationships with our planting church Memorial Road. There are other solid line relationships with our planting church except for eldership. We have grown in many ways, and not just in numbers, but we've grown as community, we have grown in relationships, we have grown in ministry, and one of the things that when Heritage was established is that the Memorial Road Church allowed this church to grow in other areas and not worry in its earliest days about a healthy, functional, godly, spiritually-minded leadership, an eldership. We have been and continue to have the benefit of a healthy, strong eldership here at Heritage. We have the Memorial Road Elders. And in fact, out of their process, we have two elders in particular, Chris McKeever and Doug Rice. They are the elder committee that has direct oversight over this church. And I tell you all that because that solid line relationship is a critical relationship that we continue to share with our planting church. I remember, uh, Doug may not remember this, but we may have only been about a year old as a church when Doug and Chris took me to lunch. And they took me to lunch, and they had one particular question for me. And the question was, when is Heritage going to start getting its own elders? And I thought, are they quitting on us? But Chris and Doug, 
knew what, what we have known from our earliest days as a church is that heritage was planted knowing that it would go into its own leadership, into its own eldership. And Chris and Doug have always had, our, our Memorial Road elders have always wanted and have always prayed for and they have always worked with us to get us to a point where we can begin to look towards our own local eldership. That is a biblical representation of what needs and can happen. And I told, I told Chris and Doug uh, those two plus years ago at that particular lunch, I don't know when that's going to happen. And we've never had a real timeline for when this church would begin to work towards its own local eldership. Do now. This fall, we will begin the process of raising up, identifying, and ordaining our own local elders here at the Heritage Church of Christ. Why? Because it's important. Because the growth of community does not happen without growth and the, and the healthy growth and orientation of its leaders, God. It's biblical. It's what, it's what Jesus has established in his church. It is what this church has been, has been working towards in many different ways, not actively, but in our growth and in our, in our growth towards one another and as a community. It is what this church has, been, has, has meant to be at some point down the road. And I, what I want to, I want to take just a couple of minutes. This will not be my only, my only thoughts on elders and shepherds of a church, but I want to turn for a, for a moment to get us to start thinking about, and, and this will make sense here in a, a few more minutes, but I want us to turn to Titus chapter one. In Titus chapter one, we get a really good sense of why this is important from the apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul, in many ways, was a direct, solid-line relationship to the church, uh, to the churches, many churches that he established and had relationships with. And we even read those kinds of uh, the relationships that Paul had with these churches become dotted lines. Philippians comes to mind, right? It was a solid line that became a dotted line, and clearly, even after Paul's death, there was no. But what we find out through the through the letter of Titus is that Paul has left apprentice Titus to, for one particular reason in the region of Crete. Uh, Crete. Chapter, uh, Titus chapter 1, let's pick up in verse 5. And this is an important reason. Paul is writing to Titus, and he tells Titus, I left you in Crete, was that you put in order what was left unfinished, and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. An elder must be blameless. Faithful to his wife, a man whose children believe and are not open to the charge of being wild and disobedient. Since an overseer manages God's household, he must be blameless, not overbearing, not quick-tempered, not given to drunkenness, not violent, not pursuing dishonest gain. Rather, he must be hospitable, one who loves what is good, who is self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. Verse 9. He must hold firmly to the trust of a message 
as it has been taught, so that he can encourage others to be uh, by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. Paul enter, uh, Paul tells Titus, he leaves Titus for a specific reason to appoint elders in the churches that he had, that Titus and Paul have been working with and establishing through the region. Why? Well, I think Paul writes what he writes so that the church will be reminded of this. Titus, I think, knows these things, but he knows that local leaders are important. Spiritually minded, spiritually oriented, God-following sheep are important for the local church to thrive and to be healthy, to grow into what it needs to be or should be to that community or that region. And there's a couple of things that I want to point out here very quickly this morning. Again, this is not the only time that I will spend uh, over the next several months thinking about what leaders and shepherds look like, but I want to point this out because I think this is important for us as a church, as a community, to collectively begin thinking about as we embark on a process uh, of ordaining and identifying elders of this church. Titus chapter 1, and I think this is true even for for 1 Timothy passage that we often refer to, that Paul is not giving qualifications. He is sharing characteristics. These are not qualifications. They are characteristics. And I find this shift of thought to be so incredibly critical. Paul writes to Titus, and when he uses the word elder, you know what he means? Offense, old people. Find the older men of community and appoint some of them to be elders over the church. So Paul is not, is not, is not harking back to a, to a structure or to a job. He's, talking, he's going back to a group of people, of men, that have these kinds of characteristics. And he lists them out, right? He goes through those characteristics there in Titus chapter 1. They're not qualification. They're not, they're not things that we're asking men to live up to. They are the characteristics that are already being lived out in the lives of the older men of the church. And the church doesn't appoint men for a job. The church raises up and ordains shepherds of the community. There is a critical shift of thought here. And the church has expectations through these characteristics. The church looks towards its elders or its shepherds or its overseers, the word bishops even used in the New Testament, that we look towards our leaders who are spiritually minded and oriented to be people, to be men who are not lions, but sheep of the good shepherd. And those expectations that we look towards as we begin to think about and pray about and discern through are quite... Um, well, I was going to say simple, but they may not be. 
Because the expectations that a community ought to have of the men that it selects or appoints and, and leads up to be elders is to keep watch over the flock, to take care of the flock, the community, to pray over. These ought to be prayerful men who will pray over and anoint the sick of this congregation. They are those who are giving guidance. They preach, they teach, they exhort, and they admonish when necessary. They are to be the servants and the examples of servanthood, and they are to prepare us, this church, for service and ministry that God has called us to. And so we're not looking to fill jobs. We're looking to raise up leaders who are spiritually minded, oriented, sheep of the good shepherd who live into, who are living into the grand expectations of not only the apostle Paul, but of Jesus, the good shepherd and his church, his flock. And so what I'm asking us as a church to do, to begin today, is a period of discernment. I want, us to, I want us to take the three plus months as a church to begin discerning who will be our shepherds. Uh, let's go ahead and throw that uh, calendar up. Uh, made available today, I will have this on the welcome table immediately following worship. It will be in an email to you early, late, uh, early this week. It'll also be available on our website. It'll be in the digital bulletin. You will not get away from this calendar for the next month. It's a daily discernment calendar. And what I mean by that is, is what I'm asking us as a church to do and as individuals, as members of Heritage Church, is to take a few moments every day for daily discernment. Every day, starting today, May 2nd, through the end of the month, is a short passage of Scripture. Um, generally, the Scriptures are oriented towards the Good Shepherd or the shepherds of the flock, towards leadership, towards characteristics of leaders, generally. But what I'm asking you to do is every day, read the passage of Scripture for the day, read it again, and then sit in silence with the text that you have just read for just a few moments. And don't overthink it. If that's 10 seconds, that's wonderful. If it's a minute, five minutes, that's wonderful. Sit with the text. And then at the end of your time of silence with the text, I want you to, to say a certain prayer. And I have it on the calendar, which may be hard uh, to read here. Uh, but I, I'm asking each of us, to read the text, read it again, sit in silence and say this prayer, Father, speak to me through this word. Speak to your church through this word. May you lead and may I follow. Amen. A simple prayer. I'm not necessarily expecting, I wouldn't be shocked if God uh, begins to work with or, or just throw heavily on your heart, looks like, and, and, the, and the men who are already leading in these shepherd-type ways and these characteristics, but what we are doing as a church is spiritually preparing ourselves for not only the process, 
but for a community that will have its own local shepherds. And so this month, month of May, is, th- is listening and paying attention to and praying over these scriptures. Um, again, I will have printed calendars on the welcome table after worship. They will be in digital form as well if you'd like to find uh, those here this morning. I'd like to pause at this point as we begin this process, this, these next several weeks of discernment as a church. I want to invite one, uh, one of our shepherds who's here this morning, Doug Rice, to make his way to the front. I want to ask, as I, I, don't, know you, I don't know why you would know, but you need to know that our elders have been praying for this church nonstop and more specifically lately, our elders have been praying for this process, this time of discernment, and as we work towards our own local eldership. And so I'm going to ask Doug Rice, one of our elders, to pray and to begin our time of discernment and prayerfulness for what is next in leadership here at Heritage. Doug? Would you pray with me? Our Heavenly Father, we, we very humbly approach your throne, seeking your guidance as our shepherd. And Father, we pray that we will be sheep, that we will open our hearts to your guidance and to your leadership. Father, we thank you for the, the spirit that you have given to us to guide us. Father, we pray that over the coming weeks, that this congregation will be open to your leadership and that you will give this congregation discernment. Father, that you will raise up men who are, who are willing to serve, who are able to fulfill and to exhibit the characteristics that have been laid out for leaders of your flock. Father, we pray that you will be with each member of this congregation, that as they think about who among them is already exhibiting these characteristics, Father, that they will be open to your leadership and to the leadership of the elders that will lead this congregation. Father, we pray that you will continue to bless heritage. We pray, Father, for each and every member of this body. We pray, Father, for each and every soul that may be reached through this church. And, Father, we pray for the men that you will raise up from among this body to lead this church. These things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning, I want to offer an invitation, Lord, invitation in this place. Each of us are invited for one simple thing this morning. We're invited to follow the Good Shepherd. Whatever the future holds and whatever it may look like and whatever lies ahead and whatever is there, 
We don't lead like lions. We follow the shepherd who's willing to lay down his life for us. If there's a need of any kind, if there's anything this church can do for you, if I, as your minister, please come forward this morning. I'll make myself available at, I can't stop calling it an adult recess, coffee time. Um, I will be available. I'm thankful to be a part of this church and to go into the future following the Good Shepherd. Let's stand together and let's sing.